Good afternoon and welcome along to NUFC Matters. It's Saturday and it's great to welcome Lee Clark back. Uh, Lee's been quite busy with Blue Star. How are you, Lee? I'm very good, Steve. Good to be back on the show, though. I've missed it. Um, so, uh, yeah, plenty to talk about. Well, the good news is there's been a takeover-free zone. We've not spoken about it for a week, mate, uh-huh. so we'll continue in the same vein. And uh, and to be honest, I've been really positive this week. I, you know, despite the despite the defeat against uh, Brighton, you know, you've got to enjoy games where you win 7-0 and you beat club records, haven't you? And, and, and Joe Linton manages to score. It's uh, something to enjoy rather than, you know, like the, the flack you see on social media. It's just nice to celebrate a, a big win, isn't it? Of course it is. And the good thing for me, Steve, is progression in the cup. We've talked about it for many years, haven't we? About getting mm. a good cup run. Now, I know we've got a tough fixture coming up because there's a few Premier League and top championship clubs have gone by the wayside down at Newport. But surely if Steve, and if he, if he feels a strong side like he did at Morecambe and the players are up for it, um, with the potential of the other ties, I think I've counted the other day, I think there potentially could be six Premier League teams go out in the next round because of the all Premier League fixtures um, and we can get a result down at Newport it gives everyone an opportunity when you get to the, you're in the quarter final stage then possibly um, and, and, and as you said you're only a couple of wins away from a Wembley final and obviously you know that's not disrespecting Newport as I said just there they've beat many of uh, Premier League teams and, and top championship teams down there tough place to go but surely if Newcastle are on their game they feel a strong team in the producer performance replica to Morecambe um, you know they get the result for me that's a great example of a Premier League team that's a Premier League team showing a lower league team respect because they've, what they've done they've respected Morecambe like they did the Premier League fixtures they had previously um, the West Ham and Brighton game and they treat the game in the same way the management did and that's how you get those score lines you know, when you get these reverse fixtures in cup competitions, which we've seen over many, many years, yes, it's there's lots of factors to put into those games, but I believe the main one is the players of the bigger club uh, don't respect the players of the smaller club. They think they just have to turn up at times to win these games, and obviously that's not the case, but Newcastle showed the utmost respect to Morgan in what they've done with the scoreline and how they played. Yeah, big shout out to Darren Baldwin, by the way, uh, who sponsored our StreamYard uh, broadcasts this month. Uh, big shout out to him and big shout out to uh, QTech, based in Wall's End, the pool and sneaker experts, qtechshop.co.uk. Big thanks to them for uh, sponsoring StreamYard this month. Um, Jacob Murphy, been a bit of a forgotten man, went out on loan, uh, but he really did impress, I think, people on, um, you know, at, against Morecambe. You know, he, you know, he looked the part, he, he looked he looked and he looked up for it. He did what you would expect somebody who's trying to, you know, force his way into first team reckoning would do in a game like that. Listen, Jacob's a player who can make and score goals. I've obviously worked with him closely when I took him on loan to Blackpool. And, uh, you know, I know what he's about. His career hasn't took off as yet at Newcastle. I believe one of those reasons is he hasn't showed his true attacking prowess as a winger. When I've seen him play uh, for the first team at St James's, you know, before he had those couple of loan spells, he was a player who just wanted to roll the ball back into midfield or back to his full-back. He never wanted to commit defenders. He never wanted to go past full-backs and start attacking centre-halves or having shots or having crosses or making the final pass. He looked a little bit nervous about doing that. Um, 
and that's the way he plays. That's where him at his best. So I think the couple of loan moves have probably built his confidence levels up again down in the championship, and he's he's been positive down there with the clubs. He's come back in pre-season, and I think he's just thought, you know, it's let's go for it. It hasn't worked out in the past because I probably haven't been as positive as I should be. And I think he's doing that. And what he's do he's done, judging by Steve's comments after the Morgan game, is Oh, Lee's gone um, on pause. He's, he's... Oh, there you are. You're back. <laughs> Go on, mate. Someone, someone just calling us there. It might be Jacob Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah but so some... I think uh, his confidence levels. Mm -hmm. Lee getting another phone call. He'll be up. Um, and he's just. Bear with us, folks. I will get back to your comment, Julie, about uh, Sainsbury's like. I'm sure he hasn't forgotten about that. The Big G afternoon. Good afternoon. I will come to your questions, folks. We'll get Lee back. He's uh, obviously getting a phone call. This is sometimes a problem when you do it on your phone. Um, I have tried it once, and it's not the greatest of uh, it's not the greatest of ways of doing it. But uh, he will be back. Uh, obviously, if you uh, haven't been watching the show this week. Jog on to the, uh, the page. Have a look. We've got some great shows up there from uh, this week. Supermac and Gibbo were apart this week, so two separate shows, well worth a watch. And uh, the Three Amigos from last night was a shorter show, but well worth a look. Lee's back now. Uh, that's Yeah, Jacob Murphy, that's who we're talking about, Lee. Yeah, listen, I just I, I believe there's a talented player there. I know there's a talented player. He's just got to show the confidence levels, um, you know, and, and and produce positive play. I think uh, Newcastle fans will back him all the way if, if they see he's trying to take people on or he's he's trying to make or score goals and it doesn't work for whatever reason. That's what they want to see from their attacking players. I'd rather see that than playing safety. You know, look at the, the response they've gone to St Maxim because, you know, he's really positive in what he does. He attacks defenders. He tries to take them out of the game. He tries to make the final pass. It doesn't always come off. Um, but he's trying to do something positive, and that's what the Newcastle fans want to want to see from their uh, attacking players. Yeah, there uh, was an urgent question there from Julie before you went up saying uh, any word from Sainsbury's yet? <laughs> no, oh. we're getting to the winter months, so the rose ears <laughs> and all that—they're knocked on the head. I think you'd be looking at the beers in the uh, red way now. It's uh, get a little oh. bit of fat on the get a little bit of fat on the bone for the cold weather. I think. <laughs> okay, we're going to take some of the questions because uh, there's, there's quite a few coming in. Lee Taylor says, "Afternoon, lads. Seen the BBC video shared about on social media featuring Lee's son Bobby. I was impressed with what I saw. Hope it's not long before we see a lad in the Premier League. Must be proud, Lee, because honestly, it was a great video that. And uh, you know, I know you. I know you're very protective of him. Yeah." You're looking at the situation with him and, and you're giving him his advice, I suppose, as, as opposed to guidance. You're letting him make his own decisions. But uh, you're doing really well, mate. Yeah, well, obviously the family was all very, very proud and impressed by the the, the footage that came out from the show Rising Ball as that's produced by the BBC, you know. Um and he's he's a player who's catching a lot of attention at such a young age. All I just gotta keep repeating and and will do to him and he understands this himself is he's on the bottom of a very uh, bottom uh, rung of a very high ladder and uh, there's a long way to go. You know he's got uh, he's got the attributes, but there's so much more to to, to do. Just to, there's many many talented youngsters out there with great ability, but what you've got to be able to do is you've got to be able to uh, 
do all the other things that make it become possible for you to become a top Premier League footballer. That's have the dedication, the work ethic, the attitude, the application, um, a bit of luck, of course. Um, so we've just got to, uh, you know, just take it easy, just make sure that um, he, he's focused on what he's got to do. It is great for him and it's great for his family that we see these type of things and he gets this kind of footage. Um, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. He's a young lad. He's, he's never had a lot of downs yet. His, his career trajectory at the moment is on the up. But no doubt in the future, there'll be a couple of blips along the way and I've got to be there as his father um, to, to help him along those those blips and uh, to continue his progress. That's that's what makes you the person that you, you become you have the, the highs and the lows and you, you deal with them accordingly. Well, we're all wishing well and we hope, we hope, I think we all hope, I speak for a lot of people here, that he, he continues playing in the black and white stripes in Newcastle and he goes on to be every much of a, a legend that you were, Lee, in those, in those colours. Good luck to him. Uh, James says, Hi, Stephen Lee, a question for both of you. Who was your favourite player growing up and could you see them fitting into this current squad that we have at Newcastle? Well, mine was obviously... I first started watching Castle 1980. There wasn't any of that, without being disrespectful, there wasn't any of that squad that sticks out in your mind is going to be sensational. It wasn't until uh, Kevin Keegan's arrival in 82 that things picked up and we had the front three um, of Keegan, um, Beardsley and, and Waddle at the time, ably uh, supported from midfield by McDermott. So that was the exciting team. Um, obviously, Kevin was the big name and he was the superstar of... The playing side, and you know, he was obviously very much an icon for us all. Turned the club around, and then obviously when Peter came in, someone who was unknown in terms of what what he'd done, really, even though he was a local lad. And I think he just took everyone's breath away in terms of what type of player he was and what he could do. And him and Waddle were quite young at the time, coming up through the ranks with obviously Kevin and Terry, who'd won major honours especially at Liverpool, but Kevin obviously had various at Hamburg as well. Um, so th those were the type of players that uh, caught my eye and obviously all four, all four would fit in today's squad, would fit in any squad at Newcastle United without a shadow of a doubt and enhance it massively. So, yeah, and if you stick in a gun to me head to say pick one, Peter, I've always said Peter was, you know, someone I grew up watching, idolising, never ever thinking I'd get the chance to play alongside him. So when that happened, that was that was brilliant for me. It's no surprise to hear it's exactly the same for me, Peter Beardsley. Um, you know, same era for me and Lee really, you know, grew up watching Peter and uh yeah, he would he would fit into any team, you know what I mean? And he still he still loves playing football to this day, you know. He's uh he's somebody who I, I dare say uh, could probably still give a few players a run for the money um, in some of the leagues nowadays. You know, it's uh, it's it's strange, but once you've got that kind of skill, you never lose it. Sean Foreman says, uh, when Andy Cole was sold to Manchester United, what was the mood like amongst the players? Did you believe that Newcastle would go on to challenge for the Premier League at that time? No, listen, the mood we well, obviously gutted. We'd lost a fantastic player. I was personally because he was a big pal of mine. We were very close, but we we had. What had been instilled by Kevin as the manager in all of us was don't panic. He had things under control. That's the way we were seeing it. He was the leader and he just dealt with things brilliantly. And going out onto the steps to see a few of those disgruntled fans was something you'd never, ever see or seen before from a manager. 
the manager fronting up to support us one-on-one, one on one, but that was Kevin. He wore his heart on his sleeve. We knew um, we had something going on. I knew personally because the uh, story is that one day myself and Andy Cole were hanging around St. James's, uh, the old Melbourne reception there, where Kevin's office was at the stadium. And he, him and Terry McDermott came out. And uh, the two, him and Terry had said to me and Andy, grab our coats, getting the, get the car with them. And uh, a couple of hours later, I was turning up at Anfield to watch Liverpool versus QPR. And uh, we're in the director's box there. And, um, you know, Kevin turned to us and said, would we enjoy playing alongside the number nine for Queen's Park Rangers, who was Les Ferdinand at the time. So even then, Kevin was planning for not probably not the sale of Andy because I think it, came, it was a bit of a whirlwind transfer. I think he was looking to pair Andy with um, Les Ferdinand. But he obviously, he, 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 was, he was always planning for the future. He was ahead of the game. Uh, Andy had gone, but he knew he was still going for Les, and he'd probably be bringing another striker in as well. So, and when he done that, there was obviously Alan came in and Faustino Asprilla. Uh, so we we were never panicky about what was going to happen. We knew that uh, the manager always had, you know, contingency plans. He would never have made a decision of letting Andy go without having sufficient funds and replacements lined up. Uh, he wasn't a manager who would do that type of thing, especially with one of your main players. Yeah, Barry Hogan says, Clark, you were always one of my favourite players. You could see the passion for the club in every game you played. Who gave you the Nasher nickname? Uh, it was from Terry McDermott. Just one of his first weeks at the club, back as assistant manager. Uh, we're on a away trip and I'd forgot something to travel. And I'd just said after training, Terry, I've just got a Nash home, which obviously in Jory Twang and is a bit mean and you've got to get home quickly to that, but I'll be back in time for the bus and Terry being, you know, from Liverpool, didn't really know, got the explanation what it was about, but it just mean it just stuck and from then on. So I think a lot of people think it's Nasha the dog, but uh from the Beano. <laughs> aye, aye, I'll, I'll take either really. I mean the dog's probably better looking than me to be honest. <laughs> Keith says, uh, Lee, I'm not sure how you feel about this when people say this. You were probably my dad's favourite player when you played for Newcastle and Sunderland and he wasn't really into football. It's a nice compliment, but it uh, makes you feel a bit older. Well, some, it's better than getting some of them like I say, my granddad or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, this is, the old father time catches up with wall, doesn't it? So, you know, at least there's a compliment in there somewhere. <laughs> Of course there is. Thanks, Keith. Paul Bainbridge, thanks for joining and becoming a YouTube member. It means a lot, mate. Barry Hogan says, where's the Blue Star Away shirts gone, Lee? They've disappeared off the site. Is there, uh, Have they sold out? No, no. They, they haven't even been on sale yet, Steve. What the, the club have decided to do, because we've been inundated uh, with you know people wanting to buy the shirt and uh, inundated with wanting to buy the home shirt. So what we're doing, we're continuing with the home shirt sales first. When that gets to you know, lower numbers, which will probably be just around before Christmas, we'll put the away kit out for sale because uh, obviously that's one of the real iconic kits of the of the silver kit with the blue star on the front. So, and we're hoping that can replicate what's happened with the first team strips because I, I think off the top of my head, it's it could be anything between nine and hundred and a thousand replica shirts sold. So, a fantastic, uh, you know contribution by the fans and just people who love Newcastle United as well, they can see it, they see it as a bit of an iconic jersey and I think so the second, the wear kit, the grey one will be um, you know, coming out very soon
Yep, good stuff. Uh, Keith says, what do you think of the Nice midfielder, uh, Wyland Cyprian, and how do you rate Newcastle's chances of signing him? Apparently available at a cut price, 10 million euros. I haven't seen that one, Lee, but um, have you, and, and what do you make of him? Um, I haven't seen this story at all, to be honest. This is the first time I've heard of it. I don't really know a lot about the player. Um, if we have 10 million euros left in our kitty, um, I would probably say we would need to spend it elsewhere. I'm still mm, a bit concerned with the central defensive area, if I've got to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, 10 million euros isn't a lot of money. I know that in today's market. Um, you know, we've still got Sean and Matty Longstaff to come back in the central midfield area as well at this moment in time. So, I don't know. It's it's about balancing it, isn't it? When your budget's very tight, it's about trying to do the right thing. Um, I've, I've seen quotes from Steve saying he, he's still got options available in the loan market as well with dealing with the top six clubs. So, let's see what comes of it. Um, I think what we've just got to focus on at the moment is get, get getting a result tomorrow night, uh, uh, tomorrow afternoon, sorry, down at uh, the Spurs Stadium and uh, and then and, and getting concerned with other things after that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's the most important thing, trying to get more uh, points on the board. Tom Lynch has said, supermarket beers, I recommend the Aldi rip-offs of Moretti and Estrella. <laughs> well, I like I like Moretti, so you'll have to give us an idea what it's called, because I like I like a bottle of Moretti. It's 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 my favourite beer, so if you can get that sorted. Tom, uh, good afternoon, mate. He says, Lee, can you tell me about when you won the Division One title and you wanted to take the trophy home? Did you have a bad head the next day? <laughs> I didn't, Tom. No, I tell you why. Because we were on a six o'clock in the morning flight to I and Napa. So I, think, I don't think I got the chance to sober up. All I can remember is not 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 nearly not being allowed on the open top bus off to John Hall. <laughs> he, had to, he had to warn Kevin, the manager, to just keep an eye on us. And I think he had, I think he got a member of staff to just hold me legs because when I was leaning over the top with a trophy, I think he was half expecting us to be lying on Gosforth High Street somewhere. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Martin asks, uh, is about Bobby again. Can I ask when when Lee expects his lad to break into the uh, into the first team and does he see his future with Newcastle? I mean, it's a bit early for the first team, I think, but I mean, do you see his future at Newcastle at the moment or is it is that too early to say as well? No, listen, it, it's his it's his future. He will he decide. I'll back every, any decision he wants. He's you know, he's he made the decision initially when he we came back to the northeast when I was Birmingham City manager and I lost my job there and we, the family moved back to the northeast and he had the choice of the clubs around this area. He decided Newcastle was for him. He'll decide if his future is there. Um he loves it, he, he enjoys it. he's he's got a great rapport with his teammates and the coaches. Um, you know, he enjoys wearing that that famous jersey. Um as far as when he's going to get in the first team that's an impossible question it, we don't even know if he's going to get there you know I've got everything crossed he will I pray you know nothing would make us prouder than to see him play for Newcastle United's first team but nothing's guaranteed in this world certainly not in football there's so many talented young players it's getting harder all the time with the influx of the foreign players not just at first team level but at academy level there's many hurdles for him to overcome um, so you know we do. That's obviously that's his aim. That's his dream. That would be our dream for him as well. Um, but you know, and we pray that it does happen. 
but you know i wouldn't want to put undue pressure on them. i wouldn't want to make myself look silly and give you a time or a day yeah i just if it hey we want it to happen but there's so many other kids with their families in in, in this position that want it as well it's things can change dramatically he's just got to keep focused keep doing what he's doing keep listening to his coaches keep enjoying playing the game uh, enjoying being around his teammates and you know hopefully gets a bit of luck as well and he can get uh, he can do what i've done and that's live the dream Chris says, uh, if football hadn't been an option, could you have seen yourself breaking into another professional sport? Uh, do you know what? No, football was my only thing. I'm not a typical footballer who loves golf. Most of me, me mates and ex-teammates are obsessed with golf. I play the odd time. I'm not particularly good, but you know, some of them are totally obsessed with it. I've seen some of them play two, three times a day, you know. Uh, every single day, they'll go all over you know the, the country playing when they're abroad a lot it'll be booked it'll be a holiday that's around golf courses and um, you know not for me uh, you know probably if i hadn't have been fit and and, and and run around as a footballer and um, the way my weight fluctuates i could have probably been a darts player but i'm not too sure i would have looked the part but i'm not too sure what i'm like it through in the arrows so that would probably have been the one <laughs> I did, Classic. I'll tell you what I did. I, I did enjoy playing rugby at school. I did yeah. enjoy playing cricket. Cricket wasn't for me, but the rugby stuff, because I love the old getting in amongst it type stuff. But uh, when I see some of the work and training and the hits they've got to take, I'm not too sure I would have fancied it. Tom's uh, uh, giving you some more uh, titles. Uh, Mapelli, Moretti, Mapelli. and Carillo, Estrella. Mapelli will be the one. Estrella's not for me. Moretti is Mapelli, so I'll be uh, put, I'll put that on the list. Okay, Malcolm's asking if there's any chance of putting the Blue Star Polo shirts online to buy. Lee, like. um, I can speak to the to the club. It's not my it's not my domain. <laughs> but I'll Lee Clark shirts, man. <laughs> get you I'll and Eddie Lenny down there. Down there, Eddie's coming back in October. I'll get you outside standing with the shirts and that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, classic, classic. Barry Hogan says, "What started Steve Watson off with his overhead throw-ins?" Well, Steve was just an unbelievable gymnast. Um, always into doing, you know, these somersaults and all this different, different type of thing. Gymnastic movements, very supple. But he kept it a bit quiet. He'd do it that time in training, but he never ever mentioned it the first time he was going to do it that day down at Ayrson Park against Middlesbrough. And if you remember, it was a massive step up onto the from the, the gravel part onto the pitch and it had like a wooden side. Yeah. So as he as he threw went and done the ball there. I remember the reaction of Jim Smith and Jim wasn't very polite when he was there. When he was gobsmacked, there was a few where uh, swear words come out. <laughs> say, what is going on there? What's he doing? And then when he seen how far it went to nearly the far post, he was thought. What we never effing seen that for before. <laughs> Classic. But Steve was a phenomenal, uh, as I said, athletic, gymnastic person and, uh, you know, uh, had all that type of stuff in his repertoire. I think that's why he loved the old WWF stuff as well when when we shared a room, um, you know, on away trips. And he'd be up till two, three in the morning watching that programme coming from America and I'm the WWF stuff and I'm trying to sleep, getting ready for the game and then, 
you just hit us with a body slam at two thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I would I didn't realise what was going on. <laughs> Good crack. Gary, yeah, good day. He says from Western Australia. Lee, you're a genuine tune legend. Thanks, Gary. Uh, Martin, he's asking about Steve Bruce. Uh, can Lee see Bruce last in the season? It's been an interesting summer for Steve Bruce. I mean, he's had all the takeover to deal with. Um, he rode the storm well last year, I thought. I mean, you know, I was critical of him, but I'm a Newcastle fan. I'm entitled to be critical if I think things are going wrong. And like everybody is, we've all got our own opinions. But like we haven't been on the show together for a few weeks my my philosophy on game one was everyone starts with a clean slate this year like steve bruce joe linton people who i was critical of last season i've said it's all a clean slate and for me so far you know you can't criticize steve bruce whatever's happened between him and mike ashley has certainly meant that he's had money to spend there's been money spent and the first game against west ham you know, I'm not bothered what West Ham's situation is, whether they're struggling, whether there's whether there's a revolt behind the scenes, but he got a good result against them. He beat Blackburn in the cup, which was a potential banana skin, and he peed, he comprehensively whopped Morecambe in our biggest win since, you know, God knows when, and we're biggest win in the League Cup. So if you one blip, obviously Brighton, and it was a big blip, it was an awful performance. Um, but all in all, for Steve Bruce, so far, marks out a 10, I'd give him eight. Um, it hasn't been a bad. It hasn't been a bad preseason, and it hasn't been a bad start of the season. Bear in mind as well, he's under the same pressure as all the other managers, having such a short preseason, hardly having a break between seasons. Um, so far, so good, and I, I am gonna, I am gonna be fair to him this season. So, you know, I'm gonna answer that question. I think last year I predicted Steve Bruce to get the sack. I thought he would be sacked. I didn't think he would last the season. This season, um, I, as long as the takeover doesn't go through. Uh, I do think Steve Bruce will still be in a job at the end of the season, and I think he'll keep us up this season. That's my prediction. Yeah, I, I can't really add any more than that. I, I totally agree everything you've said. It was, I think, uh, you, you're balancing the first game and how poor West Ham were, but then you you think, well, are you doing your castle a disservice because they played well on the day? It was a good a good Premier League away result and performance. They got through it, yeah, as you said. If, it's very tough, typical in typical banana skin against Blackburn. You know, terrific result down at Morecambe. You go and beat anybody seven uh, nil away from home. You know, uh, it's a great result. And then obviously a, a real poor performance from the, the the first second till the last against Brighton. Um, so you know, and possibly the Brighton result and performance, you know, forced. Uh, Steve into what he'd done at Morgan as well so maybe he's re reacted to that performance and thought I don't need one little blip at the start of the season to, to become a bit of a major problem so the, the nip that in the bud straight away the best way to get a disappointing performance result out the way it doesn't matter who your next opponent is is go and win the another phone call the game in to win it as convincingly as, as Newcastle did on, on, on Saturday for an ex, a Sunday extremely tough game down at Spurs, but one that's capable of winning. And in terms of the question, without a shadow of a doubt, like you said, no takeover, um, and Steve will be in place come the end of the season. I think we've got a far stronger squad than we had last year. I think Jeff Hendricks on his own in Mark. Gillespie, them two first signings before the 
Oh, he's gone again. It's this. I think it's Jacob Murphy. <laughs> Classic. We'll get him back. He's uh, he keeps getting a phone call. He'll have, I'll have to tell him when we come off air to put his phone on silent. One of those things. Uh, we'll come back to your questions as soon as Lee gets back. Uh, tomorrow we are doing Match Day Live. Barry Hogan, I saw you ask that question. Yeah, we will be doing Match Day Live tomorrow. Yeah, Lee, if you put your people are trying to give you advice, I see, and tell them to put his phone on do not disturb, etc. They're trying to work out what kind of phone you've got. All right. I've got a clue. I ain't got a clue how I'm doing that. Sorry for it. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> I was saying, so yeah, I think uh, without a shadow of a doubt, Steve will be in the job. And I was, I was talking about the signings. Without yeah. the, the last, the final three signings, Hendrick and Gillespie, well, Mark was always brought in as the number three goalkeeper. And I think he's a strong guy for that one. He's a lad who I know well. I've tried to sign on numerous occasions, both at Birmingham and Blackpool. Didn't happen for various reasons. He's a, he's a Geordie lad. He's been at the club, you know, real affinity with the club. So he was always, a, that was a good choice is, is that position. Jeff Hendricks is a very steady, strong Premier League performer. But with Jeff just being the first sign and nothing happening after that, it didn't look like a great window. And then with Ryan Fraser, Callum Wilson and Jamal Lewis coming in, it become probably the best window we've had under Mike Ashley, I've got to say, in terms yeah. of the, the type of players we had. Um, and what we've got, we've got real experienced British players who understood the Premier League, had performed at this level um, and done well. And, and we also brought a striker in who'd scored goals at this level on a regular basis. So with a limited budget, I felt it's been a, a strong window. And I hope that uh, those players can, you know, make us be a better team than we were last year. The squad's obviously stronger. You know, when I've seen... You know, the, I think one of the first couple of games, I've seen the bench. When i seen the type of players who were on the bench, Matt Ritchie, Almiron, Ryan Fraser. Um, you're going to add Sean and Matty Longstaff to that. When Dubravka comes back, Darlow will go on there. And Darlow's a great number two to have. And, and your bench looks a lot stronger then. Um, you know, so... There's, you, 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 that's how you judge it sometimes you judge by what you can replace players with from the bench yep uh, half time in the game in the early kickoff Brighton 1 Man United 1 more pair with a penalty in the 40th minute uh, Dunk uh, own goal in the 43rd minute. So, uh, all square in the first kickoff from the weekend. Uh, Russell Johnson just asking if there's any news on the takeover. No, mate. I don't think we'll hear anything for a few months on that. I think it's all gone down the legal the legal route. But the less we hear about it, the better. Keith Rowe says, Lee, how did winning the first division title with Fulham and Sunderland compare with winning the title with Newcastle? Oh, they were all fantastic achievements. Um for you to be the best over the course of 46 games. And with those three teams, we were not just the best, we were the runaway best as well. We won them uh, by big um, by big points, differences, etc. Always the one that you win with your hometown club is always the best. But, you know, all three were, were special because it, it, it's the end of being a hard-working season. Tough games to call the championship one of the toughest leagues in the in the world to get out of because it's just constant and non-stop. And uh, to be the best on three occasions with that is, you know, great great for me and, and the teams that I played in. 
Chris asks, does Lee see the club's new emphasis on a cup run or has it just been the look of the draw so far? I mean, there was talk in the media this week of um, Steve's contract being, you know, you know, little incentives in there with a cup run and league position, which I would imagine is part and parcel of manager's job these days. You know, um, you know, if there, there might be an incentive for teams, but it's just you're expected to win football matches. That's why you're brought in to manage teams. But I mean, is there an emphasis on a cup run from Mike Ashley? Do you think he's that bothered about cup runs? Uh, to be brutally honest, I, I, I don't think Steve Bruce is too too bothered what Mike Ashley's idea of a cup run is or not. He's not bothered. I think Steve's personal attitude is he wants to do well in the cups. Um, I don't think any manager uh, gives two hoots what his own or our chairman thinks in terms of cup runs. He's going to pick a team like you've just said. You're a manager that's judged on results. And, yep. uh, you know... If, if you're having a little bit of an indifferent run in the league and you've got a cup match to come up to, and if it's from a lower league team, so a good chance to get that win, you want to get that result. Like Steve's always said, you're potentially only five games from a Wembley final. So I don't think Steve's too fussed whether Lee Charney or Mike Ashley want to have a cup run or not. I think he wants to have one, no matter what. I thought even last season, you, we just got unlucky with the draws that we got in the cup competitions. You know, Leicester at home, they're probably the one team we didn't want in the in in, the, in that round of the League Cup, the, the informed team. And then Manchester City away, you know, what are you going to do there? So, we, we, this is an opportunity now. Uh, and as I said, get through this tough game at Newport. But if we're on my game, we should win it. And then the six Premier League clubs, along with the other ones, have gone out in the earlier rounds who are out again and it gives you a good opportunity in a one-off match. Yeah, fingers crossed it happens. Uh, Martin says, if Lee was setting up the formation and team versus Spurs at the weekend, what would be his setup and team? Oh, um, well, I'd, I'd certainly, I think um, I'd be wanting a lot of pace in the front areas and it depends on the fitness. I know St. <coughs> Max and I think, Steve gave quite a positive report to say he's got a good chance of being fit. So you're probably looking at a front three of you go St. Maxim, um, you go Callum Wilson and Almiron with a bit of pace, or do you bring uh, a Richie in and put some maximum Richie on one side of Wilson, St. Maxim on the other, Almiron just in behind Wilson. Um, so you've got that blistering pace on the on the on the counter. Um Hopefully, young Jamal Lewis is fit because I've been impressed by him. He gets up and down that line. Uh, I think we're a bit restricted at right back in terms of Mankiw. He'll be the, be the one in there. And then, obviously, Lascelles and, 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 and Fernandez, And then your midfield, that will be the two uh, in behind three. Uh, you know, if Sean was fit, I'd go for Sean Longstaff and, 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 and Shelby. So... Or Jeff Hendricks, sorry, Jeff and, and, and Shelby in there. And uh, so we've got a bit of a solid base. But what I did like, what I did like when they went 4 4 2 against uh, West Ham, which is sometimes easier to play away from home, is you play Hendricks out on the right hand side of the midfield four, but he naturally has that tendency as a central midfield player to tuck in. So it allows you to play two strikers. So if he was to do that, does he play Almiron up top um, with? with Callum Wilson and what you've got then is you've just got electric pace with them mm. two. Obviously St. Maxim and dribbles and skills. And then uh, Jeff Hendricks can tuck in on inside on the narrow one 
from the right side of midfield alongside the two central midfield players so you don't get overrun. So I think it worked well at West Ham. Why not go with it again? Because um, one area where Spurs are weak is, is in the back lane. Their, their attacking options are phenomenal. So you want to be able to hurt them defensively um, and, mm. and try and get at them. Gary Irvin says, how do you think Callum Wilson will do? I think he'll do well. I've, I've managed against him before. I, what I like about him, he's not only he's got great movement, he's got great pace to get in behind. He scores a fair ratio of his chances he gets. Um, but he's got an unbelievable work ethic. So, you know, when you're a team that's not always going to be dominating games, if you've got a striker who's going to do that and he's going to be a threat in behind and he's going to work hard to get down the sides of centre-halves and he's got a good a good finishing ratio, um, I'm, you know, it's. I think he's going to do well. I, 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 I'm really pleased with that signing. He was, when it got muted that it was happening, he was the one that I really wanted to happen. Okay, 1892 Mags asks, uh, he's, well, he's seen the Blue Star has a few former players on board. I'm wondering what the club's vision is and where do they hope to be in the next 10 years? Well, the club's vision basically is to to give something back to where the area, you know, the owner and the chairman and the committee are, are from that part of the, the city. They want to give something back. They want to have a sporting hub for the, the children and the, and the kids and the adults of that area. Uh, he, he, he's a massive Newcastle United fan. Uh, he wants to try and get as many of ex-Newcastle United people who still live in the air, local area on board. Derek Bell's just come in as under-23 uh, head coach, which is great news for the club with Derek's mm. experience. Um, and, uh, you know, 10 years' time, who, who knows? Pushing at least to be at the top echelons of... Uh, the non-league pyramid, and, and 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 why not even see it trying to get into the football league? Uh, that I think that's the ambition of everyone. We might get ridiculed because it might never happen, but if you haven't got that ambition in in in, in trying to do that, um, you know, you, what's the point? It's it's just um, you know that that's what we'd like to be. It's we're really at the start of it, really, really at the start of it in terms of with first team and with the academy set up. But I've been really impressed with the youngsters. I've I've, cro I've been across the board, watching them, taking a lot of them for coaching sessions, some one-on-one -on -one sessions, and been really impressed by the standard of player. Uh, Man United have gone two-one up now. We're caught to Martin Nesbitt at uh, uh, Brighton. Uh, if they have, that's uh, uh, an important goal for them. Brighton did well against us. I think they'll. Uh, I think they'll give a lot of teams a run for their money. Tom Lynch says, "What videos did he used to watch on the team coach? I once heard Philip Albert love to watch Sid the Sexist videos. Is this true?" It's, well, Steve Watson was in charge of the entertainment. He was the entertainment manager. Uh, so yeah. Steve was in charge of, of what uh, were the videos then or were the DVDs? I think they might have been videos. Videos. Aye. And uh, Sid the Sexist was very popular. Uh, Big Phil loved it. Um, he used to try and repeat uh, some of the scenes Sid had, but uh, obviously not appropriate to this channel today. Um, and, and various, you know, the Dumb and Dumber movies. And so Steve was always in, loved that. Loved if, if proper work. Nicknamed and Barry Norman, which was obviously, uh, you know, that show that used to be on telly about the, the movies. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he he was involved in that. So, and I don't think he asked many people's opinion, he just stuck what he thought was right on. And because uh, we obviously we had some long journeys on the, on the bus, um, to and from games. So, yes, so he, I think, uh, 
he, I think he nine times out of ten he, he produced he, the lads were quite pleased with uh, what what was on the on the screens. Yeah, Rashford's goal choked off by VAR. So uh, back to one-one. Uh, uh, Brighton against Man United. Um, fans returning to football late doesn't look like it's going to happen this season, does it? Really, especially with what's going on with you know COVID and lockdown. I think we'll. I think we'll. I think we're hedging towards a a, a national lockdown again. And I, and I just can't see big big sports games like Newcastle's games at St James's Park having a crowd this season. Heartbreaking, Steve, isn't it? It's they're the main people in the game. That's what they we play the game for. They're the people that give you the adrenaline rush, the noise of the crowd, the emotion of the crowd, the passion of the crowd. Um, it's just so tough. It's I mean, you know, it's it's at the top level when you're playing in front of full houses, fifty, sixty thousand. It's unbelievable. It's it's tough at the lower ends for the smaller clubs. That's where their income is. That's how. The pay players on a week-to-week basis through the gate money, the money that comes through, the cash flow. They haven't got pots and pots of spare cash. Non-league clubs, it's the livelihood, certainly. You will know that. I know that from Blue Star. And our, our first team game this afternoon at Killamath's back behind closed doors again. It's uh, And I think at our level of the game, you know, I know it's going to sound brutal, but it's, it, it's not worth playing without any fans because we need fans through the gates we, to come and buy a drink, buy a pie, buy some food, you know, obviously pay for a ticket, even though it's only a few quid. It it, it's, it helps the club immensely. Um, and I just think it's, it's really, really tough. It's it's sad. It's, it's heartbreaking, really, um, on all aspects. Certainly at the top level, as I said, you miss that adrenaline rush with the, with the full stadium. And then obviously the lower league clubs. I've just it's heartbreaking. I'm reading these stories over the last couple of days that we could see some clubs going under, not just two or three. We could see double figures just because they can't they kind of keep going with this. Um, you know the furlough schemes coming to an end, where some of them uh, had the players on furlough, but obviously once they got them back playing, they had to pay them then 100 percent of their salaries and. Even the lads that are not, they're not at the lower level on on the crazy money that gets flashed around the Premier League level, it's still tough for a football club to find that type of finance if they're not getting any income. Yeah, uh, big day for birthdays today on the Newcastle United calendar. Kenny Sampson, uh, it's his birthday. Um, we've also got Alan Nielsen, of course, who uh, used to play with you, Lee, back in the day. Uh, Kieran Clark and Paul Dummett, of course, who currently play at Newcastle. It's their birthday today. And club legend, Marcelino. Uh, his birthday, his birthday today as well. So, uh, yeah, some stories about them, Lee. Uh, a couple of those players, I bet. Uh, probably best not to talk about Marcelino. It'll drive everyone mad. But uh, yeah, happy birthday to them. Uh, a famous team video music, uh, music team video from the US, and is the 1985 Chicago Bears Super Bowl Shuffle. Did any of your clubs ever make a team music video? Did you ever make a cup final, uh, cup final records, Lee? No, no, it didn't. Probably because I never got to one. <laughs> did no? Can you think about Newcastle? Did they ever make them? Did they ever no, make any cup final I ones? Can't, I can't remember. But what I um, what I remember is we did that promotion team. We teamed up with some local musicians and done a, a, a produced a record called "The Lads Are Hot," 
you can get oh, it. Oh God, it. I remember that. And I got superimposed on the cover of the uh, of the of the record because I was at the time of the photograph. I was away having me driving lesson. <laughs> me driving test actually, not me driving lesson. Me driving test. So they had to superimpose it, but I was actually there when we recorded the music. It's absolutely horrific. And then me, Peter Beardsley, Stevie Watson, uh, yeah. Robbie Elliott were in a video. What Denise Denise Welsh made a song, a record. Uh, I can't remember what it was. You'll get that up if you if you Google it. And we were. It was. It's absolutely incruciating. It's horrible. Us in the video, like horrendous. Um, What's it called? Denise Welsh. Denise, Denise Welsh. No, Denise Welsh. Yeah, the Jolly yeah. actress. She, yeah. She she performed a song, and we were in the video in the background. And oh god, I can't even remember. I'm gonna have to find this. The lad. Oh, Tom Lin sent it as well, and I've just deleted it when they sent us it because it was horrendous being reminded about it. Tom Lynch says the lads are hot is on YouTube. So they are. Everyone can Google that. We can have a, a good watch of that. But uh, we'll keep an eye for this Denise Welsh one. Um, yeah, it's, it is 2 1 to Man United. Martin Nesbitt just corrected it. VAR is having an absolute nightmare. Rashford's goal stand. So it is 2 1. Mike Stewart says, Does Lee think Joe Linton's two goals against Morgan will be a springboard for him and his confidence? Well, he's got to use it in that way. You know, the, the goals were good finishes. He's, he's one outside the box was uh, t a terrific finish. Um, is a striker you judged? I mean, you know the one where he's let it hit off the inside of the post from Jacob Murphy, and he's he, apparently it was said that oh he thought it was going in. Proper number nines don't even think about it. They're headed in whether it's in the line. Martin McDonald, Mickey Quinn, Alan Shearer, they would have headed that in to make sure it was their goal, even if it's on the line. I remember playing against Ipswich Town. And I was through with the goalkeeper and I dinked it over the goalkeeper and it was rolling in on the goal in the laser's end. And Mickey Quinn sprinted the quickest I've ever seen him sprint, by the way. The only other time he was quicker was when there was a pain for him at the bar in the playoff line. <laughs> and he sprinted and booted this, booted this ball as it approached the goal line, which was going in to smash it into the net and it was his goal. And that's what number nines do. So yeah. when, he didn't hit, when he didn't just flick that ball in from a centimetre or an inch or whatever it was, because he was thinking Jake and Merton were scoring. Proper number nines don't do that. I just wish he had done it. That would have been a hat-trick for him. You know, and that could have been setting him off. I hope these two goals do. I hope it gives him confidence. It should give him confidence. And, uh, you know, it can it, it can only help the team if, if he is, if he starts performing better off the back of it. Of course it can. Of course it can. It'll be interesting to see what uh, Steve does uh, tomorrow. I mean, he's, he's got decisions to make, really, hasn't he? I, I think it's just all about finding that best combination up front. You know, Callum Wilson is obviously going to be the the main the main striker, but it's it's who you play off him. And I think I don't know you you managed Lee. Is it is it best? Maybe he's looking for horses for courses. What what seemed to happen to me really is that it almost seems as if Steve had been swayed by. Um, public opinion, because I didn't meet anybody or, or encounter anybody on this channel um, in the build-up to the Brighton game who said we should change the team. I think everybody felt after the West Ham game we should go with it. And I almost felt as if Steve had made the decision, you know, like that. It was almost like making an, a fan's decision um, where, it, in fact, maybe it should have had somebody looking at it going, looking at the way Brighton played last week. You know, Lampley's going to cause us some issues. We need some legs in this team. Let's put them on the back foot and stick Almir on. I mean, I know it's all right with hindsight, you know, but sticking Andy Carroll up front, he wasn't the quickest 10 years ago. 
Um, I don't know. It's just you know, it's it's the mindset of a manager, and maybe Steve Steve appears to me after after a year in charge that he's a very good man manager, but he's not so much of a coach, and maybe he needs a you know needs a coach around him. He needs a Lee Clark next to him. <laughs> well, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, aren't you? So, what what Steve would have probably been thinking was the performance at West Ham was strong. It was a good four four two performance, and that. As uh, a coach, you're always looking for ways to get more attacking players on the pitch, and to be able to play two strikers is a brilliant way. Three five two is is one way of doing it, but it is difficult because I think you have to have expert wing backs. You cannot just throw a full back in and expect them to become a wing back. Where and also you cannot expect the winger to then become a wing uh, a wing back because the defensive side proves difficult. Mm. Um, I think the way the con- uh, you know, dominated the game against West Ham. So he's probably thinking clean sheet, strong defensive performance, scored two goals away from home, could have scored more, you know, give the team confidence. Let's keep playing. Let's play our way. Let let Brighton change their formation for us. Let us not us change our formation or Brighton. Because if he does that and he goes into the game and the same thing happens, we're 2-0 down in the first 10 minutes, it'll be through and Adam, what's he changed the winning team for, what's he changed the formation, what yep. we worry about Brighton's system for, but because he's kept the same team, and we've went two down, uh, and played a real poor performance from start to finish, as a manager, you've got to realise the criticism's going to come your way, that's what comes with the territory, you've got to be able to do that, but I think in many aspects, um, you know, you're trying to build up some momentum. You're trying to build up some continuity to try and keep the same team. Um, you know, um, it, it, it swings in roundabouts. Uh, you know, during my 43-young game on beating run at Huddersfield, we had a set system at home and we had a set system away. They weren't the same, but we played... So we played 4-4-2 at home where we had knew we would dominate uh, we had teams with two strikers and two out-and-out wing- wingers. But away from home, we played 4-3-3, where we knew we had three strong midfield players in there, so we never got overrun. But we had pace at the top end of the pitch, and it worked for us. But when I've been at clubs where we've had bad runs, and uh, you know you, you continue looking for a winning performance or a winning result, and you're changing the team... You get you get accusations of well they're never going to win because he doesn't keep a settled team and he's changing player after player. But so that's what you've got to put up with. You've got to try. You're you're there every day looking at the players, trying to to, to see how they're reacting and what they do. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does at Spurs. It'll be interesting to see whether he sticks with the the four four with a narrow four in midfield, with exception of of, of Saint Maximum if he's fit and two strikers, or if he goes with you know he's 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 four two three one um and, and goes that way so four three three whichever way you want to call it It'll, I'm looking forward to seeing the team sheet and, and seeing which formation he does deploy because what you don't yeah. want to do as well you don't want to just keep you, you don't want to throw the system out the window because of one bad performance and one bad result it's just the same as with players as well you don't want to throw a player under the bus, a couple of individuals under the bus because of one bad performance and result. You've got to let the players know you believe in them. And Because uh, I think getting through this game at the weekend, there's then a chance after the, with the international break to recoup. And then you can, because um, the, the games come thick and fast after this international break and the squad will have to be rotated just for freshness. 
Lots of people digging out the uh, the music on YouTube, mate. So uh, that'll be getting a few million hits this weekend, no <laughs> doubt, as it gets shared around social media. Gary Irvin says, apart from your league debut, Lee, what was your proudest moment in a Newcastle shirt? Um, probably when I uh, the goal against Middlesbrough on New Year's Day, uh, two thousand and six. Um, because I never thought I'd come back and play and finish my career at Newcastle. That proved to be my last goal. It was a local derby. It stopped us from losing the game in injury time. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that because it allowed all three of my kids uh, to see us playing because they were quite young. I only had two at the time, first time round, and uh, they were young as well. So that, that was probably it. But every time I pulled a shirt on, I was proud of it. That's why it's difficult to pick out a game. Yeah, Life Goal says, Hi Lee, it was great to see Bobby on BBC Wonder Kids recently. How close to the first team do you think he is and where would you see his best position eventually? We've already answered the question about the close to the first team one earlier on in the show. What's his best position, Lee? The first oh, team situation. Have... Yeah, what's, yeah his we've best talked about what's his best position? What's his best position? He's a number 10. He's, he's a player who plays off the strike. He, 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 he runs beyond the attacking players, but he all he also can um play as a central midfield player as well. So um in formations and the way they play the youngsters now and they're, and they're putting positions by numbers, he's a number ten. He's he's a man who makes and scores goals. He's athletic, he's got good pace. That's why sometimes I'm on the I'm on the lookout for his real dad because he's six foot. He's got <laughs> he's got he's got pace. So he's got everything that I didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> Tom says, what was it like to play and manage against Newcastle? Uh, I wanted to I wanted to beat them. And I and I mm. and I did on one occasion scoring the winner. Um and, and uh, obviously what oh, twice at St James's as well in a four one win for Fulham, but a two one win down at uh, was it Loftus Road at the time. Um when we were sharing with QPR while Craven Cottage was getting developed. And then I managed against them in the League Cup when we were three one and three two up. With about seven, eight minutes ago, and Chris made a triple substitution. I think he brought Kevin Nolan, Joey Barton, and Sholami Obi on, and I think they ended up winning four or five, three in the end. Um, but it was great, fantastic game. I think I showed the jury people then the team I'd produced at Huddersfield. I think there was nearly thirty thousand there, so our cut of the gate allowed me to go and sign Danny Drinkwater from Manchester United on loan with that finance as well. So it helped us as a club. Um, I always just that's I just try and win every game, and it doesn't matter if I've come up against Newcastle. You you want to win, um, and then let the rest of the time let, let them get on with winning every other game. So that's the way I used to see it. Uh, Keith Rule says the lads are hot. Should be used as the team's warm up music before games at St James's Park. Yeah, we've definitely started something here today. Uh, before we finish, Lee, quick prediction, mate, please on uh, Newcastle's game at Spurs. I think it's going to be tough, but I think Spurs, you know, have had a tough programme, even though the Carabao Cup got cancelled on the Tuesday against Leighton Orient, but they had a long trip to Macedonia on Thursday. Um, you know, I think, as I said, tough game. I think it's going to be a 1-1 one -one draw. 1-1 one -one draw. OK, good stuff. Lee, it's always great to, uh, to have a chat with you, mate. Hopefully we'll get you back on the, uh, the show again soon. Good luck to Blue Star today as well, mate. Same with Dungeon. Cheers, Steve. All the best, everyone. Cheers, mate. Take care.